Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy and for the next 45 minutes I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by Craig Jones. Craig, it's a pleasure to have you on the show once again. How have you been these past few days? Yeah, a, a few days of mixed emotions, really. Uh, great to see England performing well. Sad to see Japan exit the World Cup, but uh, plenty more other great stories to talk about. Looking forward to this uh, quarterfinal stage. Absolutely. Yes, unfortunately, Japan are not with us, but there's plenty more football to talk about. So that also means last, but certainly not least, is Jamie Brown. Jamie, I hope all is well. How have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, all good. And of course, you know, delighted with the uh, another great England performance, another big win. Um, but yeah, obviously a bit a bit at loss now with um, no football for, for a couple of days. It's obviously been amazing to have all this football. And that's why I said, I absolutely love the group stages. And, and you know, obviously we're going into the round of 16 as well. Been football every day. But unfortunately, we're going to have to part with uh, a couple of days now of no football. But uh, look, really excited for the, these quarterfinal games. I think there's some big matches in there and uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about them. Yes, no football today or Thursday, but plenty of time to listen to this episode. So it softens the blow ever so slightly. But that's all the intros out of the way. Let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, wherever you bet, check first with freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips and insight. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this week, let us know via the odds on podcast hashtag. And who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. Okay, where should we start first? Let's have a quick look back on Sunday's fixtures. Craig, there was certainly a 15-minute spell where England was shaky, but they eventually made light work of Senegal in the end. Yeah, I think we were a little slower than I would have liked to start with, but it seemed like two teams were just really feeling each other out at the start of that game and were intrigued as to what the other would do, I thought. And in that period, yeah, it's true, Senegal, they, they found a couple of chances and and maybe you can say that a better team would have scored one of those chances. Um, but it was just a, a strange start to the game, I thought, whereas both teams wanted knew what they wanted to do, but perhaps didn't know what the opposition were going to do. So for that reason, sort of just sat back a little. Um, but but I'm not here for that, really, Dan, to be honest. I'm, I'm here to focus on the positives, yeah? And, and when it did start to click, I thought England were absolutely fantastic on, on Sunday night. Um, from the second that first goal went in, in my eyes, and I think many other people who were watching, absolutely no doubt who was going to win that game. There was only one winner of that game. Um, it, the goal was the lift that we needed. The defence really tightened up after that goal. The forwards have got the spring back in the step that they had. We went from seeing the odd player do something well and try to pull something off to seeing combinations. We saw the midfield and the forwards linking up. We saw Harry Kane bringing other players into the game again. Uh, the, those around him sort of thrived on the fact that Kane sort of bringing them into play. And then I thought we were great to watch. The, the first 20 minutes, you can talk about it if you want. You can say that a better team would have scored in that first 20 minutes. But let's focus on the last 80 and uh, the last 70 even. And um, I thought that's as good as we've seen from England in the tournament and probably as good as we've seen since since one of the better performances from the Euros, maybe, maybe the Germany game. Well, that's a positive start to the episode, no doubt about that. But Jamie, in terms of those two defensive lapses that ultimately went unpunished in the first half... Will England consider themselves fortunate? And more importantly, do you reckon that will serve as a lesson learned before Saturday? Yeah, look, well, look most, firstly, um, I've been really, really pleased with how England have performed. Um, I think, you know, again, that Senegal performance was, was really impressive. Yes, we did start slowly, but 
game, we've really grown to the game. And I think we did beat a, a, a pretty strong Seneg- Senegalese side in the end. You know, we have seen that they have been a, a tricky side to break down. But look, in the end, I think we made pretty comfortable work of it. So been very happy with that. Um, I will have to warn the listeners now. I, I'm not so optimistic about this game, uh, the, the coming game against France. Um and I just think on the weekend, you know, with those defensive lapses, it just cannot happen. Um, we know how strong this French team is, you know, in those those three big games they played, obviously. You know, if you, you, you put aside that Tunisia game where they're already what, through as group winners, you know, it's nine goals in those three other matches. So um, they're a side who have plenty of goals. For me, I think England are going to have to be flawless if they want to win this game. You know, if you were to ask me you now up 10 times how many times England win this game, you know, I'd probably say about two or three. So, as I said, it's going to have to be, you know, a near flawless performance from England on the weekend. And, and France are going to have that quality and the experience um, to be able to punish any of those mistakes. You know, Mbappe obviously is is kind of playing almost his best football he's ever played for France at the moment. He's obviously well clear with five goals at the moment, a couple of assists as well. And, and Antoine Griezmann, I mentioned him on, on the previous episode, a guy who's been really key. Olivier Giroud is obviously kind of doing the business as well. So plenty of guys in that team who are going to be able to punish any mistakes. So as I said, it's, it's going to have to be a flawless performance. I think it can, I think it can be. I think England's defence, um, you know, have impressed at times during this tournament, and it's it's kind of settled now. You know, we've seen Stones and uh, Maguire, of course, um, forming a, a strong partnership um, previously. So, you know, that's something that's really been building. So that that's definitely a positive. But as I said, it's it's going to have to be a flawless performance because France have the the players that can punish us. So uh, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Now, Craig, we spoke about Harry Kane on the previous episode. How much of a relief will it be to Gareth Southgate that his captain and talisman has finally got off the mark in Qatar? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to pull my positive pants on for this uh, <laughs> this episode, Anna, based on what Jamie's just said. Crikey! <laughs> anyway, so so I, it's a massive relief to see uh, to see Harry Kane in the back of the net. There's no question about that. It's, it's a relief to me as well because I think two episodes ago I said England would get. Nowhere near the final unless Kane started scoring. So, so thankfully he's started that. Um, I think Kane's played well in this tournament. I think he's played really, really well in parts, but in a different role than what we're all used to seeing him. But I think if you look at Kane at Tottenham, yeah, he scores goals, but how many times does Son score and he's assisted by Kane? So it's not the fact that he's turned into a provider as such. It's just the fact that he's been providing while maybe not scoring at the same rate as we all expect for him, which, you know, Harry Kane's got massively high expectations on him, whether it is for Spurs or England. We all expect him to score. So, you know, that's that's a burden that he's got to constantly carry. I think the key for me is that Kane will feel good about himself. And in the build-up to this game... It, stops the awkward press conference questions that will go to Kane, Gareth Southgate and other members of the team saying, how do you feel that Harry Kane's not scored a goal? The fact that it just stops them from being able to ask that in the build-up to Saturday's game, which is absolutely enormous, I think it's really going to help us. I think it should sort of help the positivity around the camp. I would also say I think it's very English of us to worry about the fact that a player hasn't scored when we've had four games in the tournament so far and we've scored six, three and three in three of them. Um, let's focus on the positives. Kane's helping other people score goals. Great, he's hit the back of the net. Hopefully, more to come. Uh, but you know, let's, the positive side of his performances so far has been the goals that he's created for others, either by assisting or by being involved in the build-up and dropping deep and getting the ball. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep things positive. Um, yeah, I'm really happy with Kane's performance, and, and let's focus on that rather than the fact that he's 
he's only just scored his first goal. Now, Jamie, let's stay on the positive vein then, because much has been said about Jude Bellingham in this tournament. With the performance he offered on Sunday, he's likely added at least another £5 million to his potential transfer value. It's fair to say that he has now become a key component of England's midfield. Yeah, I mean, look, for me, I still think Harry Kane is, is England's most important player. But Jude Bellingham has, has probably been our best performing player at the moment. I think he's you know, one of three world-class players that I think we have in this squad. Um, I think he's one of the best players in the world in his position as well. Um, and, you know, yes, he's only 19, but we've, we've seen him already performing in big matches, you know, for Dortmund. He's got five Champions League goals this this season, which is obviously really impressive. Um, and, and just kind of when he has the ball, it's just one thing that, that, that impresses me the most is the way he can turn defence into attack. We saw for, for Harry Kane's goal, the way he was able to carry the ball forward. And, you know, you just kind of feel safe when he's got the ball and, and you just think he's going to do the right thing all the time. And to have a player like that, I think, is really important. Um, and, yeah, he's just going to be such a, a key player for us um, in that in that game against France, if we are to go through, so yeah, he's he's certainly one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment. Um, but for me, I think you'd have to say he has been our best performing player, and um, yeah, been fantastic. And as I said, I don't think it should be too much a surprise for for anyone because he's just been doing it at club level, at, you know, at such a high level. Obviously, doing it in the Bundesliga, doing it in the Champions League. So um, yeah, I don't think that you know these big games will phase him because he's you know he's been a part of these big games previously. Um, even at such a young age. So, um, yeah, such an exciting player to have. It's, it's just amazing that England will be able to produce a, a, a talent like that. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing how he does against France. I think that, that he's certainly a player that I'm looking forward to watching. Well, let's take a quick look back on France's performances now because against Poland, Craig, you'd have to say it was rather routine. Kylian Mbappe, Olivier Giroud, both on the score sheet. Job done. Yeah, definitely what you call a routine win. Um, I spoke last week about how I was disappointed with Poland so far in the tournament, and they didn't really change that when they played France. They've done little all tournament. They went out without really putting up much of a fight in the end. So there's been a, what I would say, and what I want to sort of get across is there's been a lot of talk about England not beating anyone of note yet. When you look at the t- teams that France have played and the poor performances that Denmark and Poland have put up against them, two teams who should have offered resistance. I think it's fair that you can also say that about them. Yeah, I've, I've been impressed with France. I think they look very good going forward. I think they've got one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world, who can create magic and, and you know pretty much nobody can stop him. Um, you can only beat what's in front of you. People have their opinions on who these teams have beaten so far. But I think if you're in the camp that are saying England have not really beaten anyone so far, then there's definitely a strong case that you can also say the same about France, given that the two teams who should have challenged them, in my opinion, both played really poorly against them. Well, Jamie, there was a key moment in the first half of that France-Poland game. Hugo Lloris was called upon to make an important save at 0-0. What have you made of his tournament so far? If there is a weak link in the French team, is he the one? Yeah, I mean, obviously interesting with, with me being a Spurs fan as well. Obviously, I can kind of, uh, you know, talk about it from that perspective. And I know a lot of Spurs fans kind of feel as though it's, it's kind of come to the end of, of Lloris' time at the top, really. Um, he, he's a strange one because, you know, I, th- I think there are moments where he can win matches because he is such a magnificent shot stopper. I think that that's one area of his game that's always kept him as, you know, Spurs is number one, as France is number one for such a long time. But we've seen, you know, he, he has got those errors in him and he can also lose you matches. I think, you know, it's such important for the defence to have a, a keeper behind them they can trust. And, you know, there's times for Spurs, there's been times for France when, you know, maybe he's, he's kind of, the defence are looking at him and they're a bit worried. So, 
um, yeah, he, he's going to obviously be a, a key player on the weekend because, as I said, it can he can really go either one of two ways. You know, he can win football matches for his team with, with some magnificent saves and obviously, you know, uh, keep clean sheets. But he can also lead to key mistakes at times. So he's going to be a, a big player for France in terms of him stepping up. Um, because, as I said, I think as well, as much as I think France obviously have players that can punish us, I, th- I think England have, have the same. You know, we've got such great attacking players. We've spoken about it on the previous episodes. Rashford, Kane, Foden, Saka. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to be at the top of his game. And, and as we still get to Poland, you know, he can make mistakes. And, um, yeah, it does feel as though he's kind of coming towards the end of, you know, his, his time at the top with Hugo Lloris. So, be interesting to see how he does get on. But, uh, yeah, I, I still think he can be a guy who can win matches. So, I said it's going to be an interesting to see how he gets on against England. Well, as much as I love Hugo myself, as he's in French colours at the weekend, I hope he has a really bad game. But let's move on now because we're going bet building once again and we're going to focus on that England-France clash. So, Craig, as always, you're up first. I'd like you to offer me an anytime goal scorer, please. I'm going to side with England captain Harry Kane to score any time in this one. Uh, I think it's going to be a really tight game. I think a, a moment of genuine quality will be what separates these two. In the build-up, there's been loads of talk about killing Mbappé, carrying France forward. And from an England point of view, many people have been talking about Jude Bellingham. Harry Kane will have heard this. He's one of the best strikers in the world. He's got a confidence-boosting goal from the last game. And his chance to influence the game has, has maybe slightly gone under the radar, given the talk around everybody else. Um, so I'm going to back Harry Kane to score, grab the headlines back, and he's my anytime pick. Fantastic. Jamie, as always, I'd like the over-under on the goals, please. Yeah, well, look, we've obviously mentioned several of the, the attacking players that are going to be on the pitch on the weekend. So I'm, I'm pretty confident um, in saying that I think over 2.5 goals for this one. I think, you know, both teams that, you know, they're full of goals. We've really seen that. I mentioned with France, you know, in those three key matches, if you forget the Tunisia match, nine goals for them. England, of course, plenty of goals as well. So I think given the players that are on the pitch, uh, I, I'm expecting plenty of goals for this one. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go for over 2.5. Okay, an entertaining encounter, it seems. I'm going to go with both teams to score in this match. Now, we've mentioned England's defence and how they are yet to be truly tested. They certainly will be on Saturday, and I can see the three lines conceding at least once. However, with the attacking prowess that we have displayed in Qatar ourselves, I'm also confident in our own ability up top. And that's why both teams to score is going straight on this coupon. Okay, just to recap our three picks, Craig has gone for Harry Kane to score any time, Jamie's gone for over 2.5 goals, and I've gone for both teams to score. That means if you put £10 on the betting slip, odds of 15 to 4 will convert that to £47.50 of potential winnings. It's not big, but it's logical, and I can see this one honestly happening. So, I hope it comes over the line for us. I hope it comes over the line for you. And now we're going to have a chat about the game itself now. Craig, in terms of England starting 11, would you be making any changes from what we saw on Sunday? I think the uh, biggest question of all for me in the build-up to this game is, does Gareth Southgate change his formation for the first time in the tournament? I think it's a massive, massive question for him. Something that's going to give him a real headache as well, and I don't envy the position that he's in. I think defensively, it makes a lot of sense to change the formation. So that will be putting Kieran Trippier in as right back and putting Kyle Walker in in the back three as one of the three centre-halves. It gives you two genuinely quick players playing on the same side of the pitch as Kylian Mbappé to try and nullify the threat that he brings. Um, my issue with doing this would be the midfield, if that happens. Uh, who on earth do you drop from this England midfield that's performed so well? Uh, you can't drop Declan Rice because he's the anchor man that Gareth Southgate loves to have holding things together. You can't drop Duke Bellingham because he's been absolutely outstanding and proven himself to be one of the best young midfielders in the world, if not the best. 
and that sort of leaves you with Jordan Henderson. And does Jordan Henderson deserve to be dropped? And, and certainly not is the answer. I think he's, although comes under under fire, maybe perhaps, and there's people who say that Jordan Henderson maybe shouldn't even be around this England team anymore. What he's added to this midfield over the past couple of games has been very, very good. And, and I've really liked what Henderson's done. I think if you take Henderson out of the team, you maybe force Duke Bellingham to limit the number of times he goes forward and you're potentially taking something away from his game as well. Uh, my gut feeling is that Southgate does go with a back five. I think he puts Trippier right back, Kyle Walker centre-half, and, and it's Trippier in for Henderson as the change um, in personnel. It's incredibly unlucky if that happens for Henderson to drop out. And But... Sort of if 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 this does happen, you know we're trying to mark Kylian Mbappe out of the game and stop him from having an influence on the game. If we look at this French team and they're fully fit, and you add Karim Benzema up front, and you've got Paul Pogba and Golo Kanté in midfield, and, and others that that are missing as well, then they've probably got enough talent to really cause us problems without Mbappe. So then I would be tempted to just keep things as they were. Well, the fact that Mbappe is so strong and so important to this French team. He's at the absolute top of his game. I think it does make sense to try and stop him from playing. I think if you sort of ask England fans now, if Kylian Mbappe doesn't score and doesn't get an assist, do we win this game? I think the majority of us would say yes. So so I don't like us changing our tactics because of the opposition. I think that's always a, a bad way to go because you're doing things to yourself based on what they're doing. But at this moment in time for this particular game with this particular player... With the way that France has set up and the way that Mbappe's played so far in the tournament, I can't blame Gareth Southgate if he does it. Um, I would hate to make this decision and I think it would be incredibly unlucky on Jordan Henderson if he misses out. But I think Gareth Southgate does go with about five years. Now, Jamie, the hot topic will certainly be the front three for England. If you were Gareth Southgate, what would you be doing in terms of attacking personnel? Yeah, look, for me, I mean, as much as it is obviously a bit of a headache, who's going to pick? I, I've got a very clear front three of who I want to see. I'm hoping it will be uh, Foden, Kane and Rashford. Um, obviously, Saka again, you know, a bit like Henderson. I think he would be unfortunate to miss out. Obviously, another great finish um, against Senegal. Um, but yeah, I just think Foden has really kind of proven himself that he should have to be one of the, the first names on this team sheet. Um, you know, we obviously saw in the first couple of games, he wasn't being picked. But look, we, we know how good this guy is. He's a guy who is totally trusted by one of the best managers in the world, if not the best manager in the world in, in Guardiola. And, uh, you know, he, he's shown why in the, in the games that he's he started. So Foden absolutely has to be there. Kane, of course. And I'd pick Rashford over Saka. I just think that he, Rashford maybe offers something slightly different to um, to Bakayo Saka. I think he's a great runner in behind. I think he's a, a guy who can, uh, who's brilliant at kind of running at defenders as well. And um, I think he's very similar in a way to, to Hyungmin Son. And, um, you know, we, we've seen the way that Harry Kane links up with a player like um, Hyungmin Son. So I think that that kind of could be a really dangerous area of the pitch for, for England. If you can have Harry Kane feeding into Rashford, we saw against Wales how well Rashford did perform. So I think that that would be a really interesting um, aspect. Um, and I'd, I'd search for uh, Fancy Rashford to get on the score sheet if he does start. I just think he's been in fantastic form for England, for Manchester United as well. He's kind of seemed to have overcome his injury troubles um, this season. So that's been great to see. He's come into form just at the right time for England. And um, yeah, I think that that will be a really key area for England to score um, Kane and Rashford. Um, again, I'm looking for Bukayo Saka if he does drop out the team. But uh, yeah, that would be my front three. But the, the formation, I think, is going to be a really interesting one. I've kind of got in my notes as well the same kind of 
real headache for, for Gareth Southgate? Does he tr- stick with something that he's, you know, served him so well so far? Or do you kind of go and, and, and look to nullify the opposition as well? I think another key area of the pitch, I mentioned him earlier, Antoine Griezmann, he's kind of been a really key player in this French team. Um, I think his performances have maybe gone a bit under the radar, given that how good Mbappe has been, but he, he's been really key for France. So he's going to be another guy that England will need to stop. Um, maybe Declan Rice is kind of the guy to, to kind of, uh, keep track of him throughout the game. So that's going to be another interesting area of the pitch. But yeah, I said my front three for this game will be Rashford, Kane and uh, Foden. Now, Craig, in terms of the match itself, you can get 21 to 10 for England to win in 90 minutes. After what you've seen on Sunday, do you feel there could be some value there or is it slightly more than two to one for good reason? I think England are really good value to win this game. And it's interesting that Jamie sort of threw the analogy of playing 10 times earlier on because that's exactly what I'm going to say now. Um, if England play France in 90 minutes for 10 games in a row, would you fancy England to win three of them? And, and that's essentially what the odds are suggesting here, barring a few pence here and there. And, and the answer is yes, I would fancy England to win three games out of 10 against France. This, Let's not forget, this is a France team that's got injury issues. They're without four or five players who would either be in the starting 11 or be the first choice when Didier Deschamps turned around and looked at his subs bench in the later stages of this game. And that's where I think England's going to win this game. We've all mentioned how strong England's depth is at various points in this tournament. We've all just mentioned how much of a headache Gareth Southgate has got when it comes to players who he's going to end up leaving out. And whether it's uh, Kieran Trippier that is leaving out, whether it's Jordan Henderson, whether it's Bukayo Sacco, whether it's Marcus Rashford, Jack Grealish, whoever it is, the players who are left out, yes, that's disappointing for them. But they're the players that Gareth Southgate's going to call on when there's 20 minutes, 30 minutes left in this game. And I believe that they can all come on and make a difference for us. And I'm not so sure that France have got that because the qualities that they've got who would be their subs are actually playing at the minute because of the injury issues that they've got. I think this game's going to be a game that's going to be won late, in my opinion. And that's why I think the bench is going to have such a big part in this game. And I feel that England's bench is, is stronger than France. And I don't think it will go to extra time. But if you're the, thinking along the, the lines of this being a tight game, then we're talking about a bench that's not only going to come on for the, past, the last sort of 15, 20 minutes of this game, but potentially another 30 in extra time as well. And I just think that the fact that if whichever way England go, if they've got Bukayo Sacco coming on with, free, with fresh legs to really run at this French defence in half time, in extra time, sorry, that's a big positive. If England go the other way, Marcus Rashford offers them a genuine goal-scoring threat and a player who can score goals in extra time if England need to throw someone and score a goal. Jack Grealish does Jack Grealish things. You know, he, he can make a difference in this game. I just feel that England's bench and the way that they've got, the players they've got can make a difference and can win us this game more so than what the French bench can do for them. Now, Jamie, by the same token, you could have got 8-15 to 15 on England beating Senegal on Sunday. You can get those same odds on England in the double chance market. So would you fancy the extra insurance of at least reaching extra time? Yeah, well, look, obviously, I, I did warn uh, listeners earlier, <laughs> I'm kind of negative about um, England's chances in this one. So for me personally, I don't really see kind of the value in this one. Um, I as well, I do think the game will be decided in 90 minutes. I just think there's kind of so much quality on the pitch and 
I think the win will be done in the 90 minutes. Um, but unfortunately as well, I just think England are playing the best team in the tournament. Um, I think there is definitely a case, as, as Craig mentioned earlier, you know, they haven't quite proven themselves either. Obviously the same case for England as well. Um, but look, this is still a French team that are world champions. They're still, you know, kind of the core of this team is the core that won the, the World Cup back in 2018 as well. So I think in that sense, they are still a proven um, entity. And um, yeah, I think for me, this, this price is probably a bit too low, just given the fact that I just think France are the clear favourites for this one, just because of their experience um, and their quality. Um, and then, of course, Kylian Mbappe. So um, yeah, I'd say with this one, I just think the price is slightly too low for me. Well, Craig, we spoke about Kylian Mbappe earlier in the show. He's currently 7-4 to four to score on Saturday. Is that a price that interests you? And especially when you consider the race for the Golden Boot? I mean, he's an absolute superstar talent. And to be fair to him, I think we're pretty much seeing him at his best right now so so far. Let's not forget this is a young career that, that's still blossoming. There's every chance he's even better in, in a couple of years' time. But based on what we've seen so far, I think he's pretty much at his best right now. And we all want to see the best players in their best form on the biggest stage. And, and it's been a pleasure to watch him. I think the way that France have sort of built up this tournament, the injury concerns that they've had... It's something that sort of galvanised him and he's really grabbed his teammates. He's the main man. There's, there's no, there is other talented players around him, but, but he's clearly the main man because of the injuries. And rather than feeling sorry for his team and himself, he's, and sort of maybe using that as an excuse, he really has sort of stood up and, and stood tall for the French and really led them forward. If you fancy France, and if, or if you fancy France to score, then I think 7-4 to four is an absolute great price because somewhere along the way, he's going to be involved in, in the French attacks more often than not. And I, I also said, I, I do think that it's going to be a moment of quality that, that really does sort of decide this game. And, and if that's the case, who better for France to do it than Mbappe? But without giving too much of a spoiler away, um, based on my correct score prediction that's coming in a few minutes, I don't think France are going to score. So it's a no from me. However, I, I could not put you off at that price if you think France will score or, or indeed if you think France will win. Oh, he's teasing us now, listeners. But Jamie, in the same market, you can get two to one on Harry Kane scoring in 90 minutes. Now that he's credited his goal account, could he be crediting your betting account with a goal at the weekend? Yeah, no, I think with this one, this does actually seem like good value. It does kind of seem um, Harry Kane to, to kind of score at that price at any time. That does feel quite rare. And uh, I think you could probably say, yes, it is because of the opposition. And we know how tough this task is going to be. And obviously, he has got that one goal. But look, he's, he's kind of, he's got that goal now. And that, and that could be a big thing. We saw it at the Euros, you know, it took that one goal. Um, I think it was against Germany was the first goal. And, and then, you know, the, the rest of them followed. So, um, yeah, I hope now he's, he's kind of got that confidence. But as I said, he, he has also um, kind of adopted a new role anyway. I think a lot of people, you know, certainly some of my friends were saying, didn't like the way he's been dropping deep. But look, he's, he's just so creative. And, you know, he's um, obviously, regardless that he is the striker, he is also the creator in this team. So he has got that new role as well now. So that maybe could play a bit of a factor in, in that price as well. But look, I think... If if England are going to stand any chance um, on on uh, on the weekend, I think Harry Kane is going to be absolutely key for them. I said Jude Bellingham has been arguably our best player, but Harry Kane, I still think, is the most important player. He almost feels like the glue in this team. And I think Bakayo Saka has said exactly that in one of his interviews. You know, he is that glue in that team. He is so important for England. I mentioned he's a creator. He's a goal scorer as well. You know, you saw that chance that he had. Um, I just had no doubt in my mind that he was going to put it away. So, um, yeah, he's going to be really key. I've been so pleased with his performances so far. So, um, yeah, I do think this is this is quite a good value pick, actually. Now, Craig, in terms of the half-time, full-time markets, 
How do you see the ebb and flow of this one panning out? Who will have the advantage at minute 45 and 90? I think if we look back through the England game so far, maybe with the exception of the Iran game first off, we've seen a, an early period where England have been cautious. And I think most of that is to try and just see what the opposition are going to do and, and feel the way into the game and see what it actually is that they're up against and, and what the other team are throwing at them. Now, that nearly caught us out against Senegal, and hopefully we've learnt from that because Senegal did create a couple of chances, and, and that came in that period. A slow start wouldn't surprise me for that reason again here. I think England's going to sort of sit back, try and keep the ball as much as they can and just see what France are doing and where France are threatening. The, given the sort of the nature of the game and the fact that it, it is such a massive game, it wouldn't surprise me if France maybe started a little cautious as well. So I think I would go with a draw at half-time, sort of regardless of what you personally think will happen in the game after that. I think most people would, would see a reason why this will be a draw at half-time. Personally, I think that there will be a late winner in the game rather than it going to extra time, which sort of rules out the draw-draw scenario. But I think it's going to be England who gets that. And I, I do genuinely, like I've said, sort of for the past five minutes or so, I think England's bench are where England are stronger than France. And I think in the closing stages, someone from that bench is going to come up, make a big difference, not necessarily score the goal, but but impact the game in some way that leads to an England goal. So based on that, I think I would go with a draw at halftime and England at full time, which is available at 11 to 2, which I think is more than fair. Yeah, I'd have to agree on that front. But Jamie, of course, it wouldn't be an England discussion without the mention of penalties. 9-1 to one for the three lines to win via the shootout. Although the same odds for France, it must be said. Do you think this one could be decided from 12 yards? Is there some value to be found here? Yeah, well, look, as much as I think, you know, France are the clear favourites, I can see how this, this is an even match-up. So it, it, I think if you are thinking like that and you do think it's going to be a close game, I think this does seem like a good price as well. I think there is also that big factor of penalties and, you know, the way that England lost that European final against Italy. Um, I think, you know, that there is kind of a sense of redemption. And we've seen Bakayo Saka, he, he obviously took penalties for Arsenal and scored them. So I, I think there is also that story there where, you know, England could get a bit of redemption in terms of going and winning a penalty shootout. I think it was to go to penalties. I actually feel quite confident that England could do it because just because of that story. But look... Unfortunately, you know, I've got to see the game um, with my head and, and, and not my heart. And I just think that France do have the quality to win this game within the 90 minutes. I just think at the moment, as much as I've been so pleased with how England have been performing, um, I, I just kind of look at how strong this French team is and, and maybe the question marks still surrounding this, you know, fairly young England sides. Um, I do think that it will be a French win in, in the 90 minutes. Um, I really hope that England can prove me wrong. Um, and I, I do look a bit foolish for what I've been saying. But um, yeah, as I said, I just think given France's quality and, and that experience of winning tournaments, um, I do think this game will be decided in 90 minutes. OK, before we move on, I'd like a correct score bet from you both. If you once again focus on England versus France. Firstly, though, a big pat on the back for Craig as he got the England-Senegal score spot on. So with that in mind, Craig, you get first pick. What score have you got for me this time? Yeah, I'm going to go with an England 1-0 victory over France, which is available at 9-1. to I think this is going to be a game that starts really slowly here. Both game, both teams will find their way into the game and, and work out what the other are doing. And this is a tactic that we've seen England employ in, in many of their games. Uh, even the Wales game, when they were strong favourites to win, England still employed that tactic. Given the opposition that they're coming up against, I think they'll certainly do that here. So a, a quiet opening 20 minutes wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, the difference maker for me, when we get into the closing stages, is the England subs bench. And whoever it is that's on there, the, look, the unlucky ones that 
uh, not in the starting eleven. I think England's got far more attacking power on their bench. They've got more game changers and game winners. And I think those players can come on and make a big difference. So I'm going to go for an England to nick this one with a late winner, uh, get through to the semi-finals with a 1-0 victory over France, which is 9-1. to OK, Jamie, you're up next. What correct score are you hoping for? Yeah, well, hopefully next week I'm, I'm kind of sat here as uh, going second again and uh, Craig's getting another pat on the back for, for getting the score right. But just, just unfortunately with my prediction, I'm going to go for a 3-1 win for France, which is just horrible to say. Um, it's a massive price at 20-1 to 1, and hopefully rightfully so and, and that those long odds are kind of proved right. But uh, as I said, I just think that France do have too much quality. Um, I think there's still question marks over this England team as much as good as they have been. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to go for a 3-1 win for France. OK, I will try and make it a bit more optimistic, but I'll split the difference between you, you two and your picks. So I'm going to go for a one all draw at 11-2. So earlier in the show, I mentioned the both teams to score pick in the bet builder. And to be honest, it's the same homework, really, in the sense that you can just see both teams scoring quite easily. And I feel that England are going to be equal to the test that France will offer. I mean, obviously, France have been great, but Craig makes a great point that they haven't really faced great opposition themselves. So they are coming into this game relatively equal. And I feel that England are brimming with confidence. 12 goals in four matches. That's an average of three. I don't think they're going to get that many. It's going to be far more cager. And then who knows what happens in extra time, maybe even penalties. But I'm going to keep it to 90 minutes. I'm going to keep it to a one-all draw at odds of 11-2. to two. And of course, check out freebets.com for all the latest offers and enhanced odds from all the leading bookmakers. Right, let's pop up the other quarterfinal action now. And we start on Friday night as Brazil face Croatia. So Craig, the South Americans certainly put South Korea to the sword on Monday. Will it be the same outcome towards the end of the week? Yeah, I mean, Brazil look very strong to me, don't they? They've got an excellent attacking threat. And even with players missing, they, they sort of seemingly have an abundance of talent who can just come, come alive and score goals in this team. And I just don't really see how Croatia will keep up with them, if, if I'm honest. I don't think we've yet to see Croatia at their best. I think they're sort of lacking in, in something. And that, that could well be down to the, the age of this team. You know, that's something that I've mentioned on a few different podcasts now. And, and obviously moving in further into the tournament, that's, that's not going to help them. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, if sort of Brazil just continued to score for fun as they go through this tournament. And, and whether anyone sort of can keep up with them in terms of goal scoring may decide whether Brazil win it or not. I mean, in terms of value, I really, really struggle to find value on this game just because the odds are so one-sided. So what I've found is over 3.5 goals, which is 2-1 to one, and caught my eye, just given how impressive Brazil were. Uh, I do think that Croatia might be able to nick one somewhere, but Brazil, are just they just seem full of goals. I mean, Richarlison's um, sort of... His form for Tottenham and Everton is, is, you know, at points been very, very good, but he's never really struck as a massive goal scorer. And he, he just banging him in for fun. He looks like me when I were a younger kid at the minute playing for this Brazil team. Um, so, so yeah, they've got an abundance of talent. I just see them continuing to score many goals. So, yeah, over 3.5 goals at 2-1 to one was all that I could really find in this one. OK, then, Jamie, much has been made of Croatia's legs in this tournament, but those legs have made it to the last eight. We shouldn't forget that. So will extra time and penalties work against them? Because obviously they needed all that extra effort against Japan. Or do you reckon they'll have enough time to recover when they face Brazil? 
Yeah, well, you, you probably would have thought that they have had that time to recover, but I just think physically and mentally, I think that would have taken a kind of a toll on them. I think it was such a difficult game against Japan. Um, obviously, they had to kind of come from behind as well. Um, so, yeah, I think, as I said, both physically and mentally, it would have taken some sort of toll. Um, I think Brazil as well, they've had a, a pretty comfortable ride to the last eight as well. Um, so, Brazil this should certainly be the fresher of the two teams. Brazil, of course, have got that factor as well, been able to switch up in game. They've got so many good options as well. They're able to rest players for that, that third game as well, um, group stage game. Um, so, yeah, you, you'd kind of expect... Brazil to be the fresher but regardless of who is that fresher team I think Brazil just have too much quality for Croatia at the moment um, I've been slightly disappointed with how Croatia have performed I was kind of expecting them to be a lot stronger um, and, and as, as Craig mentioned I just don't think we've seen that they're best yet but with Brazil you know they have been unbelievable and you know that, that game against South Korea they were almost looking like they were trying to score a goal of the tournament each time they went forward so um, yeah I, I, I think I, I'm totally with Craig here I think lots of goals I expect for this one um, so, yeah, but I, I think it will also be a Brazil win and, and a fairly comfortable one of that. Now, Craig, Brazil have failed to keep clean sheets in the last two outings. Would you be interested in both teams to score at odds of 21 to 20? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a fair shout. That I sort of already mentioned that I do think Croatia will some point get a goal in this one. I think there's, there's going to be a stage in the game, and it's probably going to be early as well, when Croatia have simply got to go and attack Brazil and and throw what they've got at Brazil because they, they need to get back into the game. And, and that's going to leave gaps at the back for them. And to be honest, I, I fear for them, given how Brazil attack, that that could uh, really open up. And as we saw against South Korea, I mean, you know, Brazil should maybe have had six or seven in that game, really. Um, but by the same token, following on the path of, of that game and South Korea nicking a goal late on, that could also be enough for Croatia to take a goal so, yeah, I do think both teams to score is a fair shout here. I do think it's going to be a comfortable evening for Brazil and a comfortable victory by two or three goals. But having said that, yeah, Croatia can score in this one. Well, Jamie, if there is to be a goal from the Brazilian side, there are plenty of options to breach Croatia's defence. How does Richarlison netting any time odds of 7-4 to four, sound to you? Yeah, look, I think this is definitely one to kind of add to the betting slip with Richarlison. He's obviously having a fantastic tournament at the moment, um, showing Antonio Conte kind of where his best position is. I know for Spurs, obviously being kind of put out on the right-hand side and, and I just don't feel like that's his best position. He's very much showing that he's obviously a proper out-and-out uh, -out number nine as well. Um, and he's just been so important for Brazil. I mean, you look at some of the stats that, you know, he's, he's, he's produced in some of the big matches. Obviously, in, in this World Cup, he's got three and three. World Cup qualifying, he got six goals in eight matches. The Olympics, he scored five goals in six. And he also got two in the Copa America as well. So, you know, he's a guy who's always kind of stepped up at the big moments for Brazil. Yes, his form hasn't been so great but for club, but for, for Brazil... He, he is just kind of seems to be almost that number one guy for them. So I think considering he's, you know, he's got three and three at the moment at this tournament, that just seems like such a solid shout. So, um, yeah. And, and also you look at the players who are supplying behind him. You know, he's got Neymar, Vinicius Jr., you know, Rodrigo as well, and all the other options they have on the bench. So um, I think given the supply he's got, um, it does feel as though uh, definitely a, a, almost a certainty for Charleston scoring. So, yeah, I do like this one a lot. Right, let's stay with Friday now as the Netherlands play Argentina. And Craig, it does seem as if Lionel Messi and his teammates are going up through the gears in this tournament. They've not been perfect in Qatar, but will they have enough to dispose of the Dutch? Yeah, I think they will. And I think you made an absolute cracking point there. Um, I think of the sort of genuine contenders that we've mentioned, and I say that because we've, we've all just mentioned that, that Croatia have not been at the best. I think of the genuine contenders to win this World Cup, 
Argentina are the ones who look as though they could peak at exactly the right time and play their best two games in the semi-finals and the final. Now, that still might not be good enough to win it, obviously, but when we look back at this tournament, it could be that Brazil have already played their best game and, and maybe that was the other night. Uh, France and England have both already performed to a, a fairly high level, even if they've not beaten anyone of real note yet. And it could be that we've seen the best of them. I'm 99% sure we have not seen the best of Argentina. And, and with every single game, they've taken steps forward. And it, it goes back to that sort of defeat against Saudi Arabia. And it couldn't be much worse. You know, they started off at a low level. But if you watch every Argentina game that they've played so far, back to back, you can see genuine improvements from game to game. And as long as that keeps going and they, they do sort of improve again, then, yeah, I do think they'll have enough to beat the Netherlands when they play this game on Friday. And then there's more than, you know, we've got a chance then that they could go even better in the semifinals and then maybe even better in the final if they get that far. I just think they're a really intriguing team for me because you can just see them taking the steps and it's how big the next step is and how big the step after that is, if indeed there is one. And they're the ones that I'm really sort of keeping an eye on. I mean, in terms of this game, I do think it'll be quite a tight game. And I do think there'll, there'll be maybe low scoring as well. The one thing that I've looked at and that sort of stood out is Argentina to win in extra time, which is 9-1. to one. It wouldn't surprise me if we went all the way in this one. As I said, I think there is a little bit more to come from Argentina, even after another good performance. Um, so, yeah, just for a bit of interest and fun, it just sort of caught my eye that they were 9-1 to one to win in extra time, which I thought were, were decent value. Now, Jamie, the Dutch have certainly gone under the radar in this tournament. Do you think they could pull off a relative surprise on Friday? Would you be tempted to back them to qualify at odds of 11-8? to eight? Well, look, I, I think there's been maybe a reason they have gone under the radar. I think they've had a very easy route to the, the final so far. Maybe it's a little bit harsh, but I, I just feel as though they had a, the easiest group to come through. Um, I think USA was obviously a nice round of 16 opponent. Um, so this is going to be really their, their first major test. And um, look, I'm, I'm with Craig as well. I think this is an Argentinian side who are growing in confidence. It's also a really strong Argentinian side. I think obviously... They haven't been at their best at this tournament, but you, you kind of look at their past achievements, obviously coming as South American champions. You know, they went nearly two years without getting beaten. Their defensive record was so impressive. It's almost like 14 clean sheets in the last 17 matches. So they're a team that are just so strong defensively. Um, so, yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting clash. I do think it's still going to be a tight contest because Netherlands, as much as I, I obviously said they've had that easy route, I think they've still been a, a strong team. Um, I think it's going to be a low scoring one. I mentioned Argentina. You know, their defence is, is something that's been so key and why they have been so good um, and the number of clean sheets they kept. So, um, I think it's maybe the same case as well for Netherlands. They're another strong team defensively. Um, so I think it's going to be a low scoring one. I think it's going to be a very close one. Um, I like the look of under 2.5 goals. Argentinian win uh, 10 to 3. But as I said, yeah, I think Argentina should just about come up on top here. Um, and I expect a low scoring game. Now, Craig, you can also get 11 to 8 on there being over 2.5 goals. This would suggest that the bookmakers believe this is going to be a rather cagey affair. Do you reckon they've got this one wrong? Or are you going for two or less total goals? Oh, no, I, I think the uh, the odds are pretty much spot on here. And I think sort of 40 minutes-ish into this podcast, the first time you're going to hear me and Jamie agreeing about something <laughs> in the football. Um, so, yeah, it's been a strange one, hasn't it? So, yeah, the, the under, definitely for me here. Uh, slightly different to what, what Jamie said, which caught, caught my eye, just because I, I do think that this has got the potential to go to extra time. So I chose uh, under 2.5 goals with the draw in 90 minutes. So that's essentially covering nil-nil and 1-1. Uh, that's 13 to 5. 
But I certainly wouldn't put anyone off what Jamie said about under with a, an Argentina win as well. I, I do think they've slightly got the edge, but it may just take extra time for me. But but yeah, in terms of the actual the way that the game's played, we've got a lot of attacking talent on the pitch. We've got players who have scored in the tournament. You know, Cody Gatko and, and Lionel Messi are both scoring well in the tournament. But we've got two good defensive units. We've got two teams with a lot to play for, a lot at stake. And I just think that that's going to overshadow things and keep this really tight and cagey. Well, Jamie, Lionel Messi has a habit of opening the deadlock in this year's World Cup. You can get 7-2 to two on him achieving this feat at the weekend. Are you having a bit of that? Yeah, well, look, I've, I've got my notes. I feel a bit stupid saying this because obviously it's Lionel Messi. But yeah, I do think this is a really solid shout. I just think um, I've been really disappointed kind of with Argentina's other attackers. I think Latoro Martinez, a guy who I mentioned I thought was going to be quite key for Argentina at this World Cup. It's been really disappointing. The same for Angel Di Maria as well. Um, maybe the only worry you might have in terms of Lionel Messi not being the first goal scorer is, is Julian Alvarez. He's obviously been another guy who has come into the team mid-World Cup and, and obviously been performing. Um, he's stepped up when others haven't. Um, but look, Lionel Messi's clearly the, the leading knight in this team. You know, three of the four matches Argentina have played, he's been the guy to open the scoring and... Um, as I said, I don't think you'd bet against him in doing the same here. And um, just because of the, the form that he's been in, very clearly Argentina's number one man. Some of, as I said, Argentina's other attackers have been slightly underwhelming. So, um, yeah, I, th I do think this is a fairly solid shout. Right, bringing up the rear is Morocco versus Portugal. Now, Craig, Cristiano Ronaldo did not start in their emphatic win over Switzerland. Do you reckon he'll be reinstated to the starting eleven on Saturday? You know, I don't think he will. Um, I, I don't think he will for the for the simple reason is that the performance that we saw from Portugal, when was the last time we saw them play that well? Um, it's, it's, you know, they, they were by far and away the best performance they've put up in this tournament so far and the best I've seen Portugal in a long time. Um, so why, why would, I suppose the question back to you, why would you put him in the team um, based on the way that Portugal played? And, you know, there's, whenever we sort of talk about Ronaldo and Manchester United, we always get onto the subject of do Manchester United players play better when Ronaldo's not in the team? Is he taking something away from the game of, the, of other players because he's the main focus of that team when he's in there? And I think you can ask the same question around Portugal now. I do think he will play a part and I think he'll be happy. And he seemed happy when he came on and he was celebrating the goals before. This isn't a situation like at Manchester United where he's unhappy and he's, he's, you know, he's not in the team and he's, he's upset by that. I think he's in the team and he's in the squad and he's happy. Um, and I do think he will come on and, and play on for the you know the last 20 minutes or whatever. If this indeed goes to extra time, then he's got even longer. And, you know, although Ronaldo's not the same player he was a few years ago, he's, a, he's still a very good talent and he's the ideal player to have running at people if you are in extra time and you need to find a goal from somewhere. Uh, but no, I, I don't think he'll start just for the simple reason that I think it's pretty much impossible to change that team given how how good a performance it was and how good it was compared to what else we've seen from Portugal so far. Well, Jamie, you can currently get 6-1 to one on Portugal lifting the trophy outright. Is that something you're considering after that midweek demolition of the Swiss? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say not. Um, I just feel as though the two strongest teams in this competition are Brazil and France. I, I really kind of struggled to see how the final isn't between those two teams. Obviously, unless something happens, I just think on paper, those for me are the two teams that will be fighting out in the final. Um, but with Portugal, I, I think they'll make it through against Morocco. You know, I've been very you know high in my praise of how good Morocco have been. But I think this Portuguese side, they've kind of really shown that they are a strong team and, and they do know how to get 
get through these these matches. You know, that was obviously a massive win to kind of go and score six past Switzerland. I, I thought it was going to be a tough game for them. I think this was going to be a bit of a challenge against, uh, you know, an experienced Swiss side, but they absolutely kind of destroyed them. Um, I think as well, they've got a strong squad. They've got options to kind of come off the bench as well. You know, we saw Ronaldo come off. Rafa Leal not even starting, a guy who's been on, for, on fire for um, AC Milan over the last season and a half as well. Um, you know, you've got Vitinha, you've got Ruben Neves coming off the bench. So they've got that strong squad to kind of go and change the game. So um, I think that that will get them through against Morocco. But I think when, maybe when they come up against hopefully either you know, England or France, um, I think that's maybe where they will come stuck. Um, and I think Brazil as well, if they were to face them in the final, I think that, that they would be too strong. So... Um, I think they've got a strong squad and they'll get through against Morocco, but uh, I don't think they're going to go all the way. Now, Craig, as we know, your beloved Japan have been dumped out of the tournament and Morocco have taken the mantle of dark horses. So is there any value in backing them for another upset at the weekend? Um, I, I think they're fairly priced to be Portugal. I think if you'd have asked me this question after Morocco had beaten Spain, but before Portugal played against Switzerland, I would have maybe given you a different answer. But given the fact that how well Portugal played to beat Switzerland, I, I'm leaning towards the fact that they will probably have enough to win this. Um, Morocco sort of frustrate teams and, and they're very, very solid and they're rigid and they, they keep their shape very, very well. I think Portugal have got more players who can break that up than what Spain offered because Spain are a very passive team. So I think in terms of this matchup, it's not as good for Morocco as it was when they played Spain, even though there could be an argument made that Spain are a better team than Portugal. Um, I just think the matchup of this does mean that Portugal have slightly got the edge. So I don't think there will be an upset. It wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if there was one. I just don't think we'll quite see one just because I think somewhere along the lines, Portugal have got enough players to to break down this this very, very tough and very good Moroccan system that's in place that, that did keep out Spain. But I think Portugal will just edge it, maybe nick a, a goal and win 1-0. And Jamie, much has been made of Morocco's defence at the tournament. Can they withstand all that Portugal are set to throw at them? Could this be a game that ends in under 2.5 goals? Yeah, well, I think that's definitely the way to go here. Um, I think Morocco's defence, as you said, it's been fantastic. They've conceded just one goal all tournament so far, and that was an own goal as well. So they've been really strong. Um, I, I think Craig's spot on in what he says in terms of against Spain. Yes, they're a fantastic seat in the Spanish team and obviously great to watch, but they kind of really just lack that threat and, and, and that ability to kind of put the ball in the back of the net. Um, I think for Portugal, that's not the case. I think they have got guys who can win matches. Um, I still think they're going to struggle to kind of really break down this Moroccan team. And I think it will kind of go with the form of, of being a low scoring contest. But uh, I think Portugal will just have about enough to, to kind of, um, you know, nick this one. Um, so a Portuguese win under 2.5 goals, 13 to 5. I think that that's probably the way to go here. I think this Portuguese team is stronger than what, what they faced against Spain. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to back a Portuguese win here and uh, under 2.5 goals. Yep, I'd have to agree there, Jamie. And, of course, check out freebets.com for the best insight and betting tips ahead of this weekend. OK, it's time for our final bit of business now. It's that odds on threefold. We'll pick a leg each, combine it into an acca. Let's try and go for bets over one to two, but less than evens. And let's see if we can do one better than last time. Because a 99th minute penalty from Robert Lewandowski was our undoing. We didn't know it at the time, but... When the other two results came good, Lewandowski, A, had that awful penalty anyway, then got redemption to take it, and it was just like, oh, and never mind. Anyway, I'm rambling. We go again, because, Craig, you're up first. What have you got for me? 
Yeah, I'm going to go to the Netherlands-Argentina game for my pick. And I'm going to go with under 2.5 goals in this one. Uh, I just feel that the, there is attacking talent on the pitch. But I think this is going to be a really tight, cagey affair. Two teams who are, who are very good defensively. And maybe not quite being at their best yet. And I just feel that everything's sort of going to feed into, again, there's, there's few on chances and, and hopefully low on goals in this one. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Netherlands v Argentina, under 2.5 goals. Fantastic. And Jamie, what have you got up your sleeve? Yeah, look, just looking at kind of those four matches that remain in, there is one game that, that to me stands out, and that's Croatia versus Brazil in terms of where I see a clear winner, and, and that's Brazil. Um, I think they should be too strong for the, this Croatian side. Um, so I'm going to back them to win at half time, and then the same at full time, um, and you can get that at evens. OK, I will take the Morocco versus Portugal game. Now, Jamie, you made a great case for Portugal in terms of winning the match in 90 minutes, and I think they're going to do exactly that. Also, you were right about Spain in the sense that, yes, Morocco held them at bay, but Spain didn't have anything regarding a focal point in attack. And I feel it was very kind of just pass, pass, pass and didn't really threat Morocco all that much. However, Portugal is going to be completely different. That's without Ronaldo. That's with Ronaldo. You know, they're going to have a lot more. It might even be half time a draw, but I still feel that Portugal will have enough in the end. And that's why I'm adding them to the treble. Odds of four to six. Right, that brings us to full time. So I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. With the World Cup being as fast-paced as it is, our next episode is on Monday as we focus on the semi-finals. And as mentioned before, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the free bets website. And now, I just need to thank my duo of top guests. Craig, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, I really loved it. And, and for those who's listening who sort of don't understand how we record this in the format, we're now off to record some YouTube videos and I'm very excited to see if Jamie's got a France shirt on or not. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie, thanks. For, <laughs> and Jamie, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Yeah, no, th- thanks for that, Dan. And um, yeah, I've, I've, I really do hope that I look looking stupid on the next episode. Unfortunately, we just got the news as well that's coming through. Declan Rice missed training, so that kind of puts more, uh, kind of kills my optimism even more. Um, but look, hopefully, you know, we're coming on the next episode. I look like a bit of an idiot um, and England are through into the to the last four. Um, I can confirm I don't have a France top on. Um, but yeah, of course, go and check out that YouTube video anyway. But uh, yeah, all good. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, mate. And also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Thank you.